Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Stafford, step it up. Going left side. Watch Calvin. Enzo got him. Oh, baby, that was a rocket. And it's picked off. Intercepted by Darius Slade. No one will catch him. Touchdown, Lions. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 59 of the Michael Rothstein Show. I'm your host, as always, Michael Rothstein. This episode is brought to you by BetOnline. Go check them out, betonline.ag, and use the welcome code BLUEWIRE to get a free welcome bonus. It is day number, I don't even know, of quarantine. I think, actually, it's been eight weeks today. When you listen to this on Thursday, April 30th, that I have basically been holed up in my apartment. I feel like it's been eight weeks. Uh, I've gone out, obviously. I've run occasionally. I'll run and get groceries. I live by myself, so I have to go and do that. Uh, Occasionally, I'll go help some elderly people with an errand if I can. And I've delivered food to hospitals occasionally. But other than that, it's been in my spot for eight weeks uh ever since the day after the nba season got postponed which feels like 400 years ago at this point we've been through free agency together we've been through the nfl draft together we've all been in this together even if our situations are different and uh, i want to thank you all Before we get into today's show, uh, which is going to be looking at the roster post-draft and kind of what's maybe next for the Lions, we're going to go position by position and look down the roster of kind of where things stand for the Lions. But before we get into that, just want to say thank you to all of you who have continued to listen to this show, to the new listeners that we have found. I know we did pretty well during draft week. I'm very grateful for that. So if you're a new listener that found us during draft week, hopefully you'll stick around. We'll be getting back to interviews Again, on Monday's show, have a couple of good guests lined up for that. And uh, we're continuing to search out guests here for the future. But just want to say thanks. Uh, and I really appreciate you you finding us and spending a little bit of time in your day with me listening to this show. And I know I've mentioned it a few times. Obviously, if you're a healthcare worker and you've been listening to this, thank you so much. If you're an essential worker, if you work at a grocery store, uh, thank you so much for what you're doing. And if you're somebody who's listening to this show, you know I've mentioned it a lot in the last week or so. A2 Neighbors, if you happen to live in the Ann Arbor, Ypsilanti area, they've been doing some great stuff. It's a2neighbors.givingfuel.com. You can donate whatever you can. And what they've been doing is they partner with local restaurants to deliver food to frontline healthcare workers. Uh, I've seen them in action myself. I've actually delivered, I delivered uh, an order to St. Joe's Hospital today. So it's legit. 
it's real. The food smelled really good from Jerusalem Garden in Ann Arbor that I drove to St. Joe's. And uh, if you can, consider giving to them. Again, a2neighbors.givingfuel.com backslash COVID-19. They're on Twitter at a2neighbors. Can't speak highly enough for what they've been able to do. And it's been really impressive considering it's pretty much a bootstraps operation that they are running. Uh, other than that, you know, not that much has gone on beyond work, beyond football for me. Uh, still in the Marvel Universe attachment. Really thought Doctor Strange, by the way, great movie. I think we're going to get close enough where we are going to do a Marvel movie episode. It'll probably be a special episode here. Maybe we'll do it at some point in May because I feel like I'll be done with the ser- with everything at some point in May. And, and hopefully we can do that as a special kind of one-off episode, maybe in addition to the two episodes that we usually do per week. And kicking around another couple special type episodes if if I can make that happen. And like I said, I just really appreciate everybody sticking around with us as we know podcast listens are down all over the place. And the fact that you still make some time in your day and in your week to to spend with us means a lot. And hopefully we've been able to entertain you and inform you at least a little bit. And uh, with that, we will go into the Lions post-draft roster. And we're just going to go position by position. We're going to start with quarterbacks, as always, and just kind of break things down, look at it really quick, and kind of maybe give you a feel of, of where they might be. We'll start, obviously, with quarterback, which might be the most obvious position out there. They didn't draft one. They didn't sign one in unrestricted, undrafted free agency. So... Your quarterback room is pretty much going to look like it does right now. Matthew Stafford, Chase Daniel, and David Blau. The biggest question out of that will be, does David Blau end up on the roster? Does he end up on the practice squad? If they do cut him, will he get claimed by somebody else because he showed he can play? And backups that have some experience actually in games matter. But this is pretty well delineated. Stafford is the starter. Chase Daniels is a backup. Blau is the developmental quarterback. And we'll see what happens. Maybe they bring someone in a little bit later, especially if they don't love what they're seeing from Blau or if somebody unexpectedly gets cut. Not to necessarily be the backup because the way Chase Daniels' contract is structured, he's going to be on the team and he's going to be the backup in 2020. But maybe they find another developmental quarterback out there that they like. I was surprised they didn't go after Anthony Gordon from the from Washington State, who ended up going undrafted. He, I believe, signed with Seattle. So it's possible the Lions made an offer there, and maybe Seattle just made a better one. But I look at it, and it's a pretty straightforward room. It might be the most straightforward room, frankly, on the team, even more so than the specialists this year, which has been such a a straightforward room in the past. But we'll get that to that toward the end of the show. So not going to waste too much of time talking about the quarterbacks because we all know where they stand we'll now go to running back and obviously running back is a large question now we talked a little bit about it on monday's podcast we talked a little bit about it after the team drafted deandre swift and after the team drafted jason huntley out of new mexico state it became a very crowded room it became a very questionable room right now to me there's one roster lock and that's deandre swift Uh, they're not going to cut a second round pick he's going to have a role in this offense in 2020 and in 2021 and we'll see what that role ends up being but he's a pass catching back he's a guy who's even though he's short 
he's stocky. He weighs over 200 pounds, and he's going to be able to get through holes in the middle, and he's got some explosiveness to him. He's a good pass protector. He's going to have a role. He might end up being the team's lead back. To me, like I said, I think he's their only lock. Then you've got Carryon Johnson, who, if he's healthy, he should be a roster lock. Or, you know, the question will be how he's used. Do they split, you know, the Carryon Johnson, DeAndre Swift role? Do they split that kind of 45-45, leaving 10% for, for other backs? Do they split it, you know, 50-40? Do they split it 60-35? Do they really ration Carryon Johnson's carries because they know he he's had some injury problems the first two years and he had some injury problems at Auburn coming into the NFL. So that's going to be something to watch with Carryon Johnson. But as long as Carryon's healthy, he's going to be on this team and he's going to provide a really good one-two punch with DeAndre Swift. All of a sudden this Lions run game has the potential, again, potential to be a top 10, maybe top 12 run game in the NFL because they've got two young backs, both of whom who have excellent capability, and you're going to be able to interchange them a little bit. You're going to be able to keep them fresh, which is what Matt Patricia's strategy is always going to be. So I think that they've actually really improved their run game here by adding DeAndre Swift, which everyone knew. Then after that, like I was talking about, you know, 50 40, you know, whatever it ends up being as far as a split, you know, 45 45, I think there's 10% still out there and some of that 10% should and could go to Bo Scarborough and maybe Bo Scarborough gets more work depending on the game depending on the week frankly I could see Bo Scarborough getting a lot more work at the end of a season when you're going to run more when you're going to want to kind of plow it up the middle he's a bigger back and that to me is a better spot for Bo Scarborough. He's a guy that, frankly, if the Lions have a lead in a fourth quarter, you might see him carry the ball six, seven times in a row. Wouldn't shock me if that ended up happening because he is that type of, he's not going to lose a ton of yardage. He's going to fall forward. He's a bigger back that's tougher to bring down type of guy. I don't see him being the featured back in this offense, even though he has the capabilities of what Daryl Bevel and Matt Patricia would like in a, a lead type back. I think Kerryon Johnson and DeAndre Swift just have more pure speed and more explosiveness where I think that they'll both be ahead of him but on the depth chart. But I think there could be some weeks where you really see it be a Bo Scarborough week and they use him somewhat like they use like Tennessee used Derrick Henry where, you know, you're not gonna give it to him as much as Derrick Henry. You're gonna mix it up a bit more, but you could see him I could see both Scarborough more than DeAndre Swift and more than Carryon Johnson have a couple of 20, 22, 23 carry games if it's in bad weather, if it is a team that they really want to ball control, kind of like when they faced the Chiefs last year, you know, where you're trying to keep an explosive offense off the field. I could see both Scarborough really fitting in that role well. And then beyond that, you that's where I think you've got more questions. Bo Scarborough, I think, ends up on this team. Unless they find a back that's a similar vintage to Bo Scarborough that they like better. But at this point, I just don't know if they'll find that. Because Bo also is on the cheaper end when it comes to his salary. So then you're looking at Ty Johnson and Jason Huntley. The draft pick versus last year's sixth-round draft pick. That's going to be an intense competition. That might be the most intense competition of not of a non-starter in in training camp because both of them are going to be vying for a role. Both of them have return capabilities. Both of them have 
pass catching capabilities. Ty John Huntley more so established in college than Ty Johnson did coming out of Maryland. Ty Johnson is probably the better pure runner of the two. So it's going to be really interesting to watch. I, I think that that could be one of those in that second preseason game and that fourth preseason game if we get four preseason games, obviously. It could come down to that, or does Huntley win the return job? This could also be a, they end up keeping five running backs and maybe go thinner at wide receiver or thinner at tight end or third thinner in the secondary type of scenario if Huntley and Ty Johnson both really show something. Wes Hills, to me, probably a roster long shot right now. Could be a guy that ends up much like he did last season, sticking around on the practice squad and is there in a pinch if you get really in trouble with injuries like the Lions had done last year. So Hills would have, I think, a more of a practice squad shot. To me, Jason Huntley or Ty Johnson, if one of them doesn't make the team, they're probably headed for the practice squad if they can clear waivers. But I can see a situation where they keep both of them. And I'm not doing a 53-man roster projection right now, so this is all just kind of off-the-cuff thoughts versus like this is what it's going to be because there's still so many questions when it comes to a roster that to do it right now to me wouldn't make much sense. But running back is going to be a very interesting, very intriguing competition from top, I think, all the way to bottom throughout training camp whenever training camp does occur. So we'll be back right after this and we'll dig into the rest of the roster here as we go breaking down the Detroit Lions roster after the draft for 2020. With currently no NBA, NHL, or Major League Baseball, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on from their online casino to poker and blackjack. They are bringing Vegas to you. You're missing the NFL, even though you're listening to this podcast, which means you probably are. No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. And by the way, just as an aside, if you ever want to play me in Madden, shoot me a DM and I'll, if you're on Xbox, I'll, we can figure that out through gamer tags. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. It's all open 24 hours a day. It's all online. Go to betonline.ag. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online wagering solution and hey guys are you looking to last a little longer and go a few extra rounds get to bluechew.com bluechew.com has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level they've got the same active ingredients that are in viagra and cialis so you know they work and since they're chewable they work faster you can take them anytime day or night even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. Blue Chew's online physician is free of cost, and once approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Here's a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use the promo code BLUEWIRE. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code BLUEWIRE. Now, back to our show. And welcome back to the show as we're going through the Detroit Lions roster here. Position by position, we've gone through quarterbacks and running backs already. And now we will look at wide receivers. And to me, this is another situation somewhat like quarterback where 
Your top three guys are locked in. Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, Danny Amendola. They're all in contract years as of now, although as I've said over and over, it's like kind of a caveat when I talk about Kenny Galladay now. He should get an extension at some point. Those three guys are going to be on the roster here this fall. They're all going to have big roles for Detroit. It's after that where it gets a little bit more of a question. That fourth receiver spot does that still go to Marvin Hall? Does that go to Geronimo Allison, who was signed from Green Bay? Does that maybe even go to Quintez Cephas, the receiver who was drafted in the fifth round out of Wisconsin, if he can make enough of an impact and show he has enough value, especially maybe as a blocker on the outside and as somebody with short hands? Or do they look at a guy more for special teams like Jeremy Davis from Connecticut, who used to be with the Chargers? Or does Travis Fulham from Old Dominion, who was a draft pick last year, does he end up really pushing more for a roster spot in 2020? There's also Chris Lacey, who showed some stuff last year that really stood out. And Tom Kennedy, as a potential slot receiver, is still somewhat making a transition, frankly, I think he's a guy who you could see come back to camp and end up again on the practice squad this year in hopes that maybe he becomes Danny Amendola's replacement in 2021. That be, that will be something to watch as well. So you've got a bunch of tight receivers there beyond the top three. Victor Bolden's another guy that was on the practice squad. He's got some speed to burn. So you look at some of these guys and you say, all right, I think that they're are some burners there in the back end spot. Special teams are going to play a role here. And I think the fact that you have your top three all on essentially one-year deals at this point could play a role in who ends up making the roster on the back end because if it's somebody that you want to develop and maybe give more of a shot to and make sure you have down the road, maybe this is a stash situation, kind of like the Lions did with Brandon Powell a couple of years ago. Uh, like they did with Tion Green in years past, where maybe they don't play a lot, but you're worried about losing them to another team. So you basically just stash them on the back end of the roster. I don't know if that would happen with really anybody other than maybe Cephas or Kennedy, but that's something to really consider as you kind of go along here. The Lions have always kind of kept receivers on the practice squad as well. But beyond the top three, it's going to be a really tough competition. It's really one that's impossible to handicap at this point. I'd say Marvin Hall, as long as he comes back healthy, has a little bit of an edge just because he has that one-speed option and you saw it with fly routes on him. But if he can't show he can run more of the route tree, maybe somebody like a Victor Bolden really overtakes him a little bit here in 2020. Now you go to tight end, and tight end's an interesting spot because two two of the spots are basically locked up. TJ Hawkinson and Jesse James are going nowhere. They're both locks to make the roster. Hawkinson for sure. James, I guess I could see a scenario where they move on from him, but they still have money tied up in him. And frankly, unless he gets completely outplayed during training camp, I just don't see how they would move on from him as a number two tight end. And then beyond that is where it gets... A bit more open. You have Isaac Nada, the team's seventh round pick last year. He's a guy that could end up making the team. He right now would have the inside track on being the number three tight end. The other question with him, too, is do they maybe keep Isaac Nada and get rid of the traditional fullback in Nick Bodden? What do they do there? Because Nada has the capability of play and the size to play fullback as well if need be and be a lead blocker. 
So that's something to watch there. He would, to me, have the inside track. And then maybe the most interesting, well, I take that back. Second most interesting undrafted free agent they signed is Hunter Bryant out of Washington. He's a really good player, was a good college player. A lot of people thought he might end up getting drafted. And frankly, he might have a very good chance at a roster spot. It's going to be hard for any undrafted free agent to make the team this year. We've discussed that. Bob Quinn talked about that. However, if there was a spot to find room for a UDFA this year, this is the spot to make it at where he could be a number three tight end right out of the gate. He's somebody you can develop. Maybe they keep four tight ends. He ran a really fast 40 for a tight end at 4.74 seconds. He's pretty strong putting up 23 bench press reps. Frankly, he's somebody that might have gotten drafted and probably should have gotten drafted. NFL.com had his NFL comp as Jordan Reed, which obviously Jordan Reed, when he's healthy, is fantastic. So I look at Hunter Bryant and I say he has a real good shot to make this roster or at least make it very, very uncomfortable for Isaac Nauta to win that number three tight end job. I think Hunter Bryant's a guy that you can see really, really easily making this roster out of training camp. He's six foot two. He's 248 pounds. Like he has a really, you know, I've said it a lot, but like the, the traits that he has, especially if he can show that he can block a little bit would be very, very helpful because he's somebody that can be a receiving threat. He can come in right away and do that for you. And that's valuable, especially in this type of offense, which does utilize multiple tight ends. So be interesting to see how he does during training camp, but that's that's the one guy of the undrafted free agents that, to me, right out of the gate, might have a real shot at being on the Detroit Lions week one when they're playing, whoever they end up playing in week one. Because don't forget, he, had, he left school early, too. He was first-team All-Pac-12 by multiple outlets. He was a third-team All-American from Phil Steele. He had 85 catches last year for 1,394 yards, and... He can play. He can. He was a finalist for the Mackey Award. He can play. So that's going to be a guy to really watch. And then let's let's go to offensive tackle. We kind of know where things stand here. I, I really believe that you've got Taylor Decker and Hal Vitae. They're going to be your two starters at left tackle and right tackle. Tyrell Crosby likely to be your third offensive tackle. And then the question after that really just goes to. Will Dan Skipper end up making the team maybe as a fourth tackle? Do they like Matt Nelson enough? Where where do they really go from there to say, okay, yeah. like Or do they just roll with three tackles, which is entirely possible? Do they have Kenny Wiggins on the roster as a guard-tackle combination? Like I think there are a bunch of options here that the Lions can use. But to me, I think your top three are set there. And then it's just a matter of figuring out from there what you end up doing with that fourth spot, if there is a fourth spot to be had if you are the Lions. If you go to the interior of the offensive line now, we know where they stand at center. That's Frank Ragnow. And then as we talked again a lot about on Monday's podcast, guard is maybe on the entire roster the biggest competition from top to bottom of you don't know who's going to get playing time and who's going to start. Jonah Jackson, to me right now, probably is the maybe pencil in 
starter at right guard. Left guard could be between Joe Dahl and Logan Stenberg. Stenberg, obviously the fourth round pick out of Kentucky. Penalties are a big issue for him. So if he can't show that he can handle that right away, there's no way the Lions would let him start. No way, because unlike in college, in the NFL, you get a holding penalty, you get an unnecessary roughness penalty. That's a drive killer right there. You're done. You're punting more than likely. It's it's not good, and that's going to cost you. So I think you might see Joe Dahl, who's the more disciplined player, win that job right away. But I imagine that those four, you you probably are looking at Jonah Jackson, Frank Ragnall, Lona Stenberg, Joe Dahl, almost definitely being on the roster I can see a case where maybe Joe Dahl doesn't make the team if he gets flat out beat by Logan Stenberg and you know Odea Boucher and or Kenny Wiggins really outplay him but I feel like Joe Dahl is going to be on this team then beyond those four I think they end up keeping maybe six interior linemen so you're looking at maybe one of or both of Ode Abouche and Kenny Wiggins. They both re- they both resigned in free agency. They both were on the team last year, both got some minutes, so they have experience in this offense, which can help. If Bo Benchwall can take another step up from where he was, he was obviously a practice squad guy a good chunk of the year, and then he was on the roster toward the end of the year but didn't get any playing time. If he's able to do that, then maybe he can overtake a Boucher or Wiggins. The other guy to watch here to me is Josh Garnett. Josh Garnett was a first-round pick. He suffered injuries. He dealt with injuries. But he was playing in San Francisco before all of that happened, and uh, that ended up leading to the Lake and Tomlinson trade with the Lions. And we all know how that ended up for Lake and Tomlinson. Very good for the Lions. Debatable. But Josh Garnett, if he can stay healthy and he can find that form that made him a first-rounder, then I think that he could end up slipping onto this roster. And he would be my real long shot to maybe win a starting job. Because if he's healthy, he has the talent to do it. And if they can get him to do that on a very, very friendly contract, then that's another area where maybe you don't see them keep Joe Dahl or maybe they get rid of both Wiggins and Abouche at that point. So those are things to consider when you look at this offensive guard spot. There are going to be so many machinations because also who of that group can play center. Dahl theoretically can in a pinch. Wiggins can in a pinch. So that could end up playing a role as well. And the last guy in this group is Russell Bodine, who's a former starting center in the NFL. He's not going to beat out Frank Ragnow. Don't know if he wins one of the guard spots, but... Do the Lions keep him as a backup interior lineman because you know he can play center in the NFL and if Frank gets hurt or if a guard gets hurt and they decide, hey, you know what, Frank Ragnow is our better option at guard than anything else we have, so we're going to bump Russell Bodine up to starting center. That could potentially happen too. So there are a lot of different sort of ways that this can go in the back end. If you ask me to handicap the starting offensive line right now, I would say it would go Taylor Decker, left tackle, Joe Dahl, left guard, Frank Ragnow, center, Jonah Jackson, right guard, Hal Vitae, right tackle. And then beyond that, you've got Logan Stenberg as a backup lineman, Tyrell Crosby as a backup lineman, Kenny Wiggins as a backup lineman, and I'm going to actually say Russell Bodine as a backup lineman as well. And I think that 
that's where this team would stand again to me today. But you can flip any of those backup linemen other than probably Tyrell Crosby pretty easily. And it would not shock me at this point. So that's going to be a really intriguing competition. Looking now, turning over to defense. Actually, you know what? Before we go to defense, we're going to quickly do specialists here in the middle. Because there's actually something to talk about. Kicker. It's set. It's Matt Prater. He's won the job. Congratulations. Still one of the most consistent kickers in the game. You've got it. But something to think about is he could have one. He's definitely going to have one. His holder is definitely going to be different this year. And his long snapper may be different as well. And all that whole operation is critical. And that could take Matt Prater some time to get used to a new operation from something that ran so smoothly for years with Muehlbach, Martin, Prater. Snapper, holder, kicker. Now it could be a little bit different. So they've got two punters right now. They've got Jack Fox, who I continually call Jason Fox because Jason Fox used to be a lineman for the Detroit Lions. Jack Fox was on the practice squad last year. Right now, he might have the inside track to this job. But remember, too, it's a new special teams coach in Braden Coombs. So it's not like Jack Fox has any sort of real leg up as far as with the special teams coaches go. And then they also sign... Aaron Sipos from Auburn. He was an undrafted free agent, but he's an Aussie rules football player. So he came from Australia. He ended up punting at Auburn. If you go on YouTube, you can absolutely find some really impressive kicks from him. He is fascinating to me. He played Aussie rules football. He played for St. Kilda in the AFL. By the way, if you've never watched Aussie rules football as a complete aside, you need to. It's a Super fun sport. I really enjoy it. I try to watch it whenever I can find it on television. I've gone to a game live in Melbourne before, and it's super fun. So you can watch and maybe see him maybe win this job because I think it's more open than you would think, and we'll see what happens. I'm really curious to see how this goes because it's a different type of punter. It's a different type of look, and... The one thing with him that you might get that you might not get from other punters is he's not going to be afraid to hit. Like, if you've watched Aussie Rules football, it's a pretty violent sport. It's it's very similar. It's similar to rugby, but also very different for those who haven't watched it. Just Google it. Watch it. YouTube it. It's worth your time for sure. But... In all seriousness, he could end up, it would not shock me if he ends up winning the punting job for the Lions. It would be a heck of a story if he does, but that could be something to watch, especially if he can learn to hold. Then there's long snapper, which for over a decade, it's been Dom Muehlbach's job. We'll see. The Lions did sign another long snapper in Steven Wartell. They cut James Fisher, who they signed right after the season. Wartel might give Muehlbach a little bit of a run for his money here. We'll see how that goes. I still think if Don Muehlbach wants the job, if Don Muehlbach's on the team, and as long as he looks good still, which there's no reason to think he won't, it will be Don Muehlbach's job. You don't necessarily want to mess up, mess with the holder and the snapper in that rotation and in that operation all in the same year, especially for a kicker like Matt Prater, who thrives on consistency. So that's just something to consider. But it would not shock me if Stephen Wartell 
ends up on the expanded practice squad for a year and ends up w- getting that job. Because, listen, Dom Mulebach, there were questions about whether he was going to even come back. So this, to me, is almost like an insurance option, whether it's for this year or for next year for the Lions here when it comes to long snapper. But I still think this is Dom Mulebach's job to lose. Now we'll go over to defense and we'll take a peek first starting at the defensive end position where we kind of know a little bit of what the Lions have here. They've got Trey Flowers. He's going to be a starter. And other than that, I think there are some questions. Who's going to start opposite him? Does Romeo Aquaris start opposite him? On the defensive line, does Julian O'Quara play more with his hand down, even though he can definitely play standing up as more of an edge rusher like that? How do they how do they use Julian O'Quara and where does he fit in to this defense? Matt Patricia hasn't talked yet, so that'll be something once he talks eventually to ask really where does he fit in? Austin Bryant's a guy that don't be surprised if the Lions really hope to get a lot out of him this year. They drafted him last year in the fourth round. They we're hopeful for him. He kept dealing with injuries last year, so it was pretty much a lost season. But they're counting on him to really produce potentially here in 2020. He could end up being a starter opposite Trey Flowers as well. That group of four, to me right now, is what your defensive end group could look like. Is the two Oquaras, Trey Flowers, and Austin Bryant. That might be your group. But this is also a spot where it would not shock me if they ended up signing a free agent, maybe two free agents, two veterans who can really play. And those guys end up really pushing for and taking a spot. Now, who they would take a spot from, maybe do they take a spot from a tackle, from a linebacker, or from one of the defensive ends right now? Although, let's face it, Trey Flowers and Julian O'Quara aren't going anywhere on this roster. And I'm, the more and more I think about it, I don't think Romeo Aquara goes anywhere either. And we'll see what happens with Austin Bryant as long as he can stay healthy. But it, it'll be really interesting to see what the Lions do there if they do end up signing someone else. I, I feel like at some point they're going to bring in someone else to at least for camp competition and to maybe push for a spot. Defensive tackle, a little bit more wide open. Because you've got Danny Shelton, you've got Nick Williams, and then I don't know after that. I, I think any anyone can really win a job there. By the way, Deshaun Hand, just to be clear, going back to defensive ends, he could very well be starting opposite um, Trey Flowers as well. Actually, that might be the most likely option, but it's also possible that depending on the look that the Lions are giving up front, that Deshaun Hand kicks inside. Him and Romeo Aquara are two hybrid options that are worth talking about here when you're talking about defensive tackles as well, because they could both end up playing inside more on passing downs, outside uh, in more of a base defense, and kind of depending on whether you're playing nickel on first or not, based off of the team you're playing. The Romeo Aquara and Deshaun Hand, to me, are two flexible outside-inside pieces that give Detroit a lot of options. Obviously, they need to see Deshaun Hand healthy, but when he is healthy, he could end up being the starter as well. So you're probably looking at five defensive ends there if you include Deshaun Hand in that group. If you don't include include him more in defensive tackles, then he's potentially a starter there. Beyond Hand and then Danny Shelton and Nick Williams, both of whom are going to be on this roster right now, are likely to be the two starters 
again, depending on what type of front the Lions are playing. After that, I don't know. Uh, you know, you've got Hand, you've got Okora as possibilities. But does John Atkins make this team? What about the sixth and seventh round picks and John Piacini and Jay Sean Cornell? Do both of them make this team? Does one of them make this team? They are both very different players. In Cornell, he's more of a pass rush guy, which is something the Lions have been looking for. So maybe he ends up being a situational pass rusher that plays, you know, 15% of snaps or something like that. And Piacini's more of a run stuffer. And Shelton's a big dude and is going to need somebody behind him. So maybe that ends up being what his role is. This, much like defensive end, is I still think defensive tackle is their biggest need on the roster. To me, it's an area where they could potentially sign somebody, bring someone in. Marcel Darius would be a name to potentially look at there. Like, that's not anything concrete, but he would make a lot of sense as a veteran presence there, and that would give you a little bit more flexibility and you know, Kevin Strong's a guy that's on their roster as a UDFA. He made the team. It was a great story last year, but he's going to have to do, I think, a lot of work to make this team this year, especially since he didn't play at all last year. So there's not a lot of like, hey, you did this body of work. This is a position of massive question for me on the interior of the line. I don't think they're done here. I don't think they should be done here. I don't think they can be done here because right now, to me, when you look at this, depending on how you view Romeo Aquara and how you view Deshaun Hand, they have anywhere between two and four guys that you can feel comfortable with in a game. And as I've talked about with about Nick Williams before, Nick Williams had one good year. And even then, it was still six sacks. So, and those are the, that's the only time he's gotten a sack in his career. So, I, I'm not totally sold on Nick Williams there either. So, this is a position where I'm not enamored with the talent. I think there's a lot in flux and you have to really be worried about it if they don't add something in this post-draft wave of free agency at defensive tackle. You're asking a lot of players who haven't shown that they can do that yet. Looking at linebacker now, obviously when you look more at the edge rush area, the spot that Devon Kennard once played before he was cut, Julian Okwara is the one that makes the most sense there right out of the gate. It's where he could start Unless they use Jamie Collins there. And Jamie Collins is the other guy that maybe that's where he ends up. He's a versatile guy. You can kind of play him a little bit of everywhere. And the other person to think of in that spot is Jared Davis. No one's really answered how they're going to use Jared Davis this year. And we haven't gotten the assistant coaches. We haven't gotten Matt Patricia. Bob Quinn really wasn't asked about it other than by me asking if whether they were going to pick up Jared Davis's fifth-year option, which he was noncommittal on during the draft. So do they maybe move Jared Davis to more of an edge rusher spot and kind of see what he can do there? He'd be a little bit undersized at 6'1", 245, but he has shown he can rush off the edge. He's shown he can get decent pass rush. So that's maybe where they use Jared Davis. But otherwise, then you're looking at Jared Davis in the middle. And what do they do with Jelani Tavai then? In base sets, maybe they play Davis and Tavai together. And okay, that maybe makes some sense. They've done that before. But has Tavai shown he's maybe a better player than Jared Davis? I don't know at this point. To me, it's a lot closer than one would think. And I think Tavai is that 
the bigger type of linebacker that Matt Patricia likes in the middle. And he's shown some ball skills and he's shown some capability against the run. He's shown he can cover a little bit. I think right now, if I'm the Lions, I feel better about Jelani Tavai in the middle than I do about Jared Davis in the middle. So what you do with Jared Davis to me, other than that, he's going to be on the roster unless you're, unless you trade him. But so far I don't see that happening. I don't know where Jared Davis plays, but they will play him somewhere. Then you've got more of the weak side when you've got that's where Christian Jones maybe fits in. You don't forget, by the way, too, you have Reggie Ragland, who they signed in free agency. He's maybe more of a special teams guy, but he's also a run stopper. He's also kind of a big thumper against the run. I imagine he'll push Jelani Tavai and definitely push Jared Davis for a role on this team. I think he ends up making the roster and. We'll see what happens. And he came at a really good cost. When it comes to, like I said, more the weak side, you've got Christian Jones. He's likely to be on this roster. He's managed to start almost every game that, he, that he's that he been on the Lions for. Matt Patricia loves him. So you see him, and I think he has a spot and a role on this team. What happens with Jalen Reeves? Maybe he's in a contract year now. He's a really good special teams player. He's also... Maybe one of their better coverage linebackers, not that they ever really use him as such, but he's a lighter linebacker. To me, it could be him or Elijah Lee, who was signed from San Francisco as a free agent. They could be competing for one spot. Obviously, the team got rid of Steve Longa, who was a special teams ace for them, in part because of guys like Lee, guys like Reeves Mabin, and Jason Cabinda, who ended up on the roster toward the end of the year after being on the practice squad. Those three guys, while I think Lee and Reeves maybe maybe have a leg up over Cabinda at this point, it's more of an open competition than you'd think for that reserve linebacker, special team stalwart type of spot. I don't know if they keep two. They definitely will keep at least one of that group. Maybe they keep two. I don't think they would keep all three. But again, injuries can play a role there too. But to me right now, maybe you're looking at Reeves Mabin and Elijah Lee having that spot. But Reeves Mabin entering a contract year, I I don't know. I think he's a roster bubble type player right now at this point with so many other questions still remaining. So we'll see what happens there. But it's going to be intriguing, I think, both in what they do with Jared Davis and then also kind of that back end special teams spot. That is critical for the Lions. We know how much they love their special teams guys. To see how they kind of handle that and what they do there. They're going to corner. We have a bit more answers than we did, obviously, a week ago at this time. Even though it looked like they were going to take Jeff Okuda. Desmond Trufant's going to start at one corner. Jeff Okuda more than likely is the starter at the other. If he's not the day one starter, he's like the day two or day three starter at corner for the Lions. And then you've got Justin Coleman playing the slot for Detroit. So that, to me, is your starting group. Omani Awarie probably pushes a little bit in there, maybe to win a starting job. I don't know if he wins it right away. I, I don't know what exactly happens with him. Maybe he ends up being that that third corner, of which you're going to need because corner is a high-injury position. And you could see Awarie, I think, end up in more dime packages as well because maybe they would kick Trufant inside at that point. And it wouldn't shock me, depending on how Trufant plays, if Awarie ends up pushing him by the end of the year. Omani Awarie is a good player. I think he has some real potential here. 
I just don't know how he gets a starting spot at this point, but I think he will have a role on the Lions this year. It's just a matter of what it is. And he'll, he's a good special teams player, so at minimum, you're looking there for him as a special teamer. Beyond those guys, obviously you've got Divergent and Mike Ford, both primarily special teams guys. Ford is the better corner of the two, but those guys might be competing for one spot, maybe end up getting two spots out of them. But I think when you look at that, you say, okay, what are they really going to do there with those two guys? Uh, it'll be interesting. These They might also end up being Detroit's two gunners So then on special teams, so then you end up keeping both of them. Jamal Agnew, obviously a question mark at this point. He's probably a backup, the backup slot maybe as of right now. But also, does he win that punt returner job? Does he win the kick returner job? Because... You know, there are going to be guys competing with him for that role, specifically Huntley, the running back that we talked about at the top of the show. He's going to really push him there. And if Huntley wins both jobs, do they maybe keep five running backs, let's just say, and maybe they go light at corner and... Maybe that ends up being where Jamal Agnew ends up in trouble. Who knows? T- Tony McRae is a guy that, even though you don't know much about him, he's more of a special teams guy. He w- played under Braden Coombs in Cincinnati, and it would not shock me if that ended up being a tiebreaker, if he ended up showing that he could handle the special teams work in Detroit, because that's one of Coombs' guys. So that's something to watch as well. That back end, again, is going to be really, really tight. I think when it comes to corner where a lot of guys have similar skill sets and it's just going to be a matter of special teams and beyond the top kind of four who can really cover. I think Mike Ford may have kind of an inside track there for multiple reasons, including position versatility because he can play some safety where some of these other guys, you haven't really seen that from them. And Beyond him being able to play safety, he can play special teams, he can be a gunner, and he has maybe more coverage and more experience in this defense as a corner than some of these other guys out there too. So in a situation where you're not getting spring work, where you're not getting a ton of training camp, maybe they trust Mike Ford just a little bit more as that fifth cornerback. Again, and talking about safety, safety's a really interesting spot for them. They've got Tracy Walker. He's somebody they obviously feel very, very good about. He's a starter. He's not going anywhere, but how they use him will be maybe a little bit different this year because they did trade for Deron Harmon. Deron Harmon, probably a starter at this point. Harmon may be playing free. Walker may be playing strong. That'll allow him to potentially cover tight ends. That could maybe have him go in the box. That'll allow him to be a little bit more maybe free-ranging than he had been in the past when he had to cover deep. Deron Harmon is more of a deep cover type of safety. In three safety looks, you could see Will Harris in that spot. I don't know if Will Harris would start over Deron Harmon. I, I think it'll be an interesting competition between those two. But I don't know if if Will Harris really overtakes him because Deron Harmon's a guy that they clearly traded for and brought in with a plan and a goal in mind. When it comes to Will Harris, do they use him more in three safety looks? I don't know exactly what his role ends up being yet with the Lions. All I know is that I expect him to be on the roster. Then beyond that, it goes to depth. Again, J. Ron Curse is an interesting guy. He's long. He's six foot four. He's 215. He's a guy that I could easily see maybe winning that 
third safety job and being a third safety guy. Maybe they throw multiple three safety packages out there. Maybe they have a curse package and a Harris package, depending on what they're looking at. Like if it's a heavier run team that maybe likes to play a lot of three receiver sets, maybe you want curse in there because he's a bigger body, kind of like a linebacker, a little bit more rangy where Harris, maybe you play him in not those sets. I don't know the answer to that. Then beyond that, that's when you're looking at special teams and Miles Killebrew, they signed. I think he ends up making this team as a core special teamer. He's been very valuable there. He should be on this roster, I would imagine, unless he gets completely outplayed, but I just don't see that happening. I think he makes this team because, again, it goes to experience. It goes to not knowing what you're going to get in the spring out of you're going to see these guys in the spring. So you're going to have training camp and that's it. And who knows what training camp's going to look like. You know what you're getting out of miles Killebrew, So I think he makes this team CJ Moore. I don't know at this point what happens with him because he was a depth safety and he was a special teams guy. And he, listen, he played pretty well, but they've brought in other guys. They have a little bit of a deeper safety room now, although it's really only deeper by one, but that's really all it takes. And then they have a couple of, they, they really loaded up on safeties in undrafted free agency with Jeremiah Dinson and Jalen Elliott and Bobby Price. Those are three guys that could really push more for the role, role that Moore had last year as an undrafted free agent. Jalen Elliott's a guy who played a lot of good football at Notre Dame. Jeremiah Dinson played in the SEC. So those two guys, to me, could maybe impress early. We'll see what happens, but that back end safety spot, as we've talked about with a lot of back end spots, I think that those are absolutely wide open. And as we've talked about with this from the jump, and as we've talked about for weeks now on this podcast, it's going to be really interesting to see how all of this shakes out, because I think you might see a lot more experienced guys win those back end roles versus your developmental rookie guys if for no other reason than you don't have the spring to really get the idea of what the developmental rookie guys look like. Still think that there are going to be some areas where the Lions add some players, maybe some veterans, because there are some good veterans out there. To me, that's edge rusher, that's defensive end, that's defensive tackle, and maybe that's tight end as well. And we'll see what happens with all of that. And maybe also corner, although I don't think they add a higher end corner like your Logan Ryans or your Prince of Mucamaras. I think you could see them add like a depth level corner that's good on special teams. And that would maybe push Mike Ford and Divergent. That, that would push them for roster spots there. So still some stuff to look at here overall as the Lions continue to construct their roster. But that's where it stands after the draft. It's... I think actually pretty clear cut with a lot of positions at this point and just some questions here on the back end, which frankly at the end of the draft process, that's where it should be with most rosters. Thanks as always to my producer, David Woodley to blue wire, to regions field, to bet online for sponsoring and hosting this podcast. You can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Mike Rothstein and on Facebook at Michael Rothstein Journalist. Make sure to give this show a five-star review if you'd be so kind. And also, check us out wherever you listen to podcasts. We're the Michael Rothstein Show. Thanks, as always, for listening. Don't forget about A2 Neighbors as well. And we will chat with you again on Monday. <laughs>